Welcome to the Mobile Robot Podcast, the podcast for all things related to autonomous mobile robots. I'm Mike Oitzman, and I'm your host of the show. Each week, we will talk to industry leaders to learn how the mobile robotics industry is evolving and growing in a variety of markets. I hope that you'll join me as we explore where this industry is headed. And before we get started, if you haven't already discovered it, go check out the Mobile Robot Guide website. That's mobilerobotguide.com. There, you'll find the latest information, industry news, along with product recommendations and buyer's guides to help you make an informed buying decision for your automation needs. The Mobile Robot Guide covers more than 350 vendors and 800-plus autonomous vehicles. It is the ultimate resource if you're in the market for an autonomous mobile robot. Now let's get on to this week's episode, where I talk to Soren Nielsen, the new CEO for Mobile Industrial Robots. Good morning, everyone. Uh, This is Mike Oitzman with the Mobile Robot Guide. Welcome to another episode of the Mobile Robot Podcast. Joining me today on the podcast is Soren Nielsen, the new CEO for Mobile Industrial Robots, or just Mir Robotics, as it's uh, affectionately known. Welcome, Soren. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, it's it's great to have you uh, on the show today, and uh, I'm I'm excited to to learn a little bit more about uh, uh, your vision for uh, the future uh, of Mir. And uh, so let's jump right in. So, uh, look, in July, uh, you were promoted to CEO uh, of Mir Robotics after being the chief technology officer for two and a half years. Um, so, hey, take us through the technology roadmap that you established during your time as CTO and, and, and tell us a little bit about the product milestones uh, that you executed during your tenure as CTO. Yeah, yeah, let's, uh, let's start with that. Uh, basically, it's been, uh, it's been a fantastic journey that we have had when I joined the company as CTO uh, just over two and a half years ago, we were we were like 50 employees in in the company, right. and uh, today we are 220. Uh, the R&D department when I joined was uh, like 12 people, and uh, and now we are more than 70. So it's um, it's uh, in in terms of numbers uh, a fantastic uh, journey that we have had. In terms of the technology roadmap. The first uh, couple of years was uh, very much uh, about uh, extending the product portfolio. When I joined, we had the Mir 100 and Mir 200, and mm-hmm. that was that was it. We had a, a very very basic fleet uh, product. Um, so the first two years, um, we added uh, a new platform of robots, the the large robots, Mir 500, and, and later the the Mir 1000. Uh, bringing in new technology into uh, into that platform, and uh, this year we have added the Mir 250, which is uh, you could say sharing some of the components uh, in the hardware with with Mir 500 and, and 1000, but but also uh, adding adding even newer technology. We also in that period uh, added an AI department uh, for for making the robots uh, be, yeah, you could say more, more intelligent and, and, and do more decisions uh, based on, on, on AI. And we have, uh, we've extended the, uh, the fleet. So the first two and a half years was, was very much about adding to the uh, portfolio so that we, instead of having only 
basically one uh, one robot in two variants. Uh, now we have a, a portfolio of uh, of different uh, different products. Yeah, the family certainly has grown. The product family certainly has grown uh, quite a bit. It's been fun to watch uh, you guys grow and, and mature, and certainly. Uh, uh, congratulations on uh, on the employee side as well. The company certainly has grown tremendously over the last uh, two and a half years. Um, and so, look, I, I I think we all recognize you got some big shoes to fill with uh, Thomas Visti's departure. Um, so, tell us now, looking forward, what's what's your vision for the next five years for Mir, and and how is your leadership style different from uh, from Thomas's? Let, let, let's let's start with what I see uh, happening over the next uh, four to five years. Yeah. I don't think I don't think we will see uh, the same the same amount of of completely new robots uh, from uh, mobile industrial robots. We we are part of Teradyne, and Teradyne also uh, bought uh, or purchased uh, another company, AutoGuide, that that are doing uh, much bigger uh, robots. So so we. It's it's now more defined in our DNA that that the very large uh, automated uh, forklift uh, vehicles we we will not do that that will be uh, that would be territory of uh, of AutoGuide. Mm -hmm. um, we could go into smaller robots, um, maybe maybe not. That's actually not the most important thing. The uh, new new type of robots we have we have uh, we've got a, a a good portfolio now. So I think the next uh, for the next period, it's all about uh, maturing the products uh, that we have, and that can be exciting enough in itself. I think um, I think getting getting larger fleets to work uh, with less intervention. Uh, and, and higher automation level, uh, still focusing on ease of use, but uh, ease of use also when it becomes really complicated. Um, I think we will take a more outside-in approach rather than inside-out, where we knew what we wanted to do. Now we will, now we will, uh, now we will fine-tune the products so that the total experience uh, becomes easier and the number of. Uh, of uh, applications that we can serve well uh, will uh, will increase. Um, also, the integration between our product and the uh, MES system or warehouse management system. Mm -hmm. um, we need to focus on uh, on getting the total experience just um, uh, better by uh, by making the products more mature. Mm -hmm. And so, software is a big part of that, right? You talked so about soft adding software is definitely a big part of it. Yeah, you, you you guys have added AI to your product, and it includes AI engineers, which are a different breed from the normal <laughs> software guys. Yeah, yeah, they are. They're definitely in higher demand. Um, I mean, yeah. it's and it and it's more difficult to get some that are that are fully trained. So um, up until now, we've we've actually trained our own and been lucky to to find some that had the interest and the abilities to do it but but that is uh, it is a little bit of a different breed but um, but it's 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 going quite well um, right so look you mentioned uh, the acquisition by Teradyne uh, that happened in in the last couple of years and that, that's really given you the fuel to to to, to uh, your rocket ship to take you to the next level, and certainly, I think many folks on the podcast will appreciate that uh, you know leading from 
the front as a market leader, which I think you guys have become, is different than being a scrappy startup. It's trying to scrape things together, bootstrapping or whatever the case may be. So uh, what do you see as differences between leading from a leadership position in the front as, as opposed to being a market challenger? So you're going to have lots of folks nipping at your heels now. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think we should use our size and our advantage to uh, advantage in in scale and 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 maturity to uh, uh, to come up with uh, with solutions that. Uh, that will take a little bit, uh, a little bit more investment. When you are when you are young and free and agile, you uh, you, you try lots of things. You are you are very fast, uh, right. but you but you also um, you also jump a few corners. You you have to when you are when you are small. Now we are part of Terradyne. We have a brand to protect. We uh, we mm-hmm. need to uh, we need to be a little bit. Uh, yeah, uh, you could say we need to be uh, a little bit more mature in the in the solutions we bring to market. Uh, mm-hmm. So that, of course, also means that we will uh, we will be a little bit more thorough. We will take a little bit longer time. Some will say we will slow down, but but the maturity of what we will deliver to the market, uh, I think uh, we have because of our size, we have the luxury to. Uh, but also the obligation to uh, to make the the new things we come up with uh, a little bit more finished and a little bit more mature. All right. Okay. I think that's great. Great. Why uh, uh, wisdom coming from uh, from uh, uh, your position. So I think we've all the other thing that we've all seen uh, happen in this marketplace and the robotics market as a whole is that uh, Odense has emerged as a, a robotics powerhouse, uh, one, of, one of the emerging uh, development centers for robotics between what you guys have done, um, what uh, uh, your cousins, so to speak, in Universal Robotics have done as well. So uh, what do you think uh, has been the magic behind uh, this growth for, uh, for Odense? Yeah, and, and it's a very good question and, and also a question that I, that I think uh, many have asked uh, both uh, my predecessor Thomas, but also uh, Jürgen von Holland from uh, from from UR. It's 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 kind of a fairy tale story, and uh, and Odense also being the home of Hans Christian Andersen. It's it is it is really like like a fairy tale. If if we go back like 15 years, uh, Odense was uh, was an area in Denmark where. Um, there was not a lot of uh, higher education. It was a shipyard uh, area and a lot of uh, uh, blue-collar uh, labor uh, force in in this area. So when the uh, Maersk McKinney uh, Institute or when when Maersk decided to uh, to close down the shipyard, uh, the local shipyard in in Odense, um, then it was a, a huge crisis. Um, and because uh, Maersk had some, uh, they felt they had responsibility for the area, then they set up the, uh, the, the, an institute in the university. And that has been, to my knowledge, one of the driving forces of, of this mm. uh, evolution that has happened in Odense from being an area with, with low-skilled labor into uh, an area which leads from the front with uh, with robotics, um, but it's not only the university and the and the Maersk McKinney uh, Müller Institute uh, at the university. It's also, uh, in my view, 
a quite unique cooperation between the university, uh, the the industry, um, the private uh, private led companies, and the municipality. So mm-hmm. there's very very early this this triangle of of partnership uh, proved that by working together you can actually uh, create uh, a real um, uh, yeah a real development uh, center where where a lot of things are supporting each other mm-hmm. and i think that's um, that that is actually the the key to the success that that um, that there's been this uh, this triangle of of uh, of agreed uh, need for development uh, and supporting each other so for instance uh, recruiting of course is a is a big issue mm-hmm. um, and and today it's not a problem because everyone many people know that that Odense have uh, a number of robot uh, companies or robot uh, development companies uh, so it's not so risky to move from uh, from Spain or US to to Odense because if you don't like it here there's there are plenty of other companies <laughs> but but also also the fact that uh, that the municipality helps with uh, finding uh, work for for spouses or, or or partners that that also means something and in the beginning like five or ten years ago that meant really a lot uh, today um, today we have established that and and, and we're benefiting uh, quite a lot from it right i want to take a short break from our show this week to tell you about another interesting podcast if you enjoy the content of the mobile robot podcast and you work in warehousing market then i encourage you to check out the new warehouse podcast with host kevin lawton Each week, Kevin discusses topics related to the technology, operations, and management of warehouses. He has lots of interesting guests each week. You'll find it on your favorite podcast app by searching for The New Warehouse Podcast or by going to the web at thenewwarehouse.com. That's thenewwarehouse.com, all one word. Kevin interviewed me on a recent episode, and it's one of the things that inspired me to start this podcast. So please go check it out. And now back to our conversation with Soren. Yeah, and I well, I think you said something interesting uh, in your response, which is just the whole partnership uh, between the community and the university. I think Boston has been another area that's done that, and of course the Bay Area with the universities in the Bay Area. So I think it's a model uh, that, uh, you know, works, right? It, I think it does. And Silicon Valley of, of course also is, is, mm-hmm. is a good example of that. So I, I, I think it's, it's not, it's not one thing, uh, but it, mm-hmm. but it's this, uh, it's this combination of, of, uh, of universities and, uh, and companies and the community that decide let's, let's support each other in whatever way we can, uh, mm-hmm. Then, um, yeah, I think that's that's actually the key to success here. Right, and, and look, I my observations are also about uh, another strength of Mir um, really is that the success you've had with your channel partners, right, um, who uh, who are developing solution specific payloads for your robots, um, and I think that's been a, a, a differentiating strategy. Uh, for mere over many of the your competitors across all the different various market segments have given you reach into market segments that as you said even as a young scrappy startup you chose not to to, to invest deeply in uh, decisions made along the way um, 
but um, t- tell us why you, I, this uh, uh, about this strategy and why it's succeeding and why it's important to your future. It's um, it's. I would say from the outset, it wasn't a given that it should be like that. You have the possibility to be vertical and uh, and do mm-hmm. in. Uh, do the complete product, do the integration with the customers. You become intimate uh, with your customers. There, there are many advantages about that. Your your application knowledge, uh, I think, is has has better better uh, a better chance in in such a setup. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, you can't scale as fast uh, when you do it that way. It, that's been the biggest uh, the biggest thing for us uh, is the ability to scale by defining what should Mia do, what what is it that we should be good at, and and we chose very early on we want to make the platform that drives. We want to be an open platform, and we want to uh, encourage that a lot of different partners um, develop uh, something that integrates into into our product. Mm-hmm. So scale is is the uh, to be able to scale fast is a huge advantage of that strategy. Of course, the the downside of that strategy is that we're always working through partners, and that means that we are not as intimate with our with our end customers as uh, some of the other players in the field. Uh, are um, so that I'm I'm quite happy with the strategy and I don't have any intention of changing it. But um, the fact that it's not only pluses that we have with it, um, it it's also challenging because it means that mm. that when we talk service, for instance, um, the variety of applications and the variety of integrations with something else is of course much higher than if we did everything ourselves so our inherently our our um, our control of the of the whole system is less than if we had been vertical mm-hmm. um, so it's um it there are pros and cons and uh, and 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 we have uh, enjoyed being uh, global very early on um and now we uh, we have to focus on uh, on getting um, you could say that uh, uh, that application knowledge that outside in I was talking about earlier getting that uh, from our end customers through our partners and back to back to us so that we can mature our our products um, mm-hmm. even further. Great, right? Th- thanks for for giving us a, l- a little bit of uh, insight there uh, because again i think it's um it's clearly a differentiator for mir and in, in one of the reasons why you're, you've had the success you've had up to this point so so one last question for you soren um uh, looking across the market spectrum there's a variety of applications that are very interesting today for mobile robots whether it's warehousing whether it's uh, retail whether it's uh, even the, the UV disinfection market, which has just blossomed this this year with the, with the pandemic, um, but in your view, w- what do you see as some of the most interesting market applications for mobile robots at the mom- moment? And uh, any any insight as to to what Mirror's doing to to help capture or pursue those markets? I think the the political and easy answer for me, Mike, is uh, is everything because that's the whole strength. That's the whole strength okay. in, in in our strategy that that we are not limited uh, to one. We see uh, 
uh, we see different uh, segments uh, popping up in um, in uh, in april everything slowed down uh, mm-hmm. worldwide and it also did uh, did for us um but then emerged the uh, the the disinfection both both uv light but uh, but also with other kinds of uh, of mm-hmm. disinfection so over over may uh, june july we saw that uh, there was a uh, a huge business opportunity for us in uh, in that segment. Now it seems that's slowing down a little bit compared to what it was in in May June. Right. Uh, but now we we start to see uh, some of the industry segments uh, coming back with uh, renewed uh, appetite for for investment. The we we see a lot of activity in automotive uh, right now. Mm-hmm. They seem to be a little bit. Uh, more mature than uh, maybe uh, fast-moving uh, consumer goods or 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 maybe other industries uh, right now. There's a huge potential across a number of uh, of segments like uh, 3PL logistics, uh, uh, food and beverage, um, uh, electronics um, manufacture. Um, but I think the strength that we have is that. By spreading ourselves around uh, different industries, we uh, we can we can go for the hotspots. We can we can go for the areas where where there is a momentum uh, at the moment. So right now, I see the biggest momentum is in in automotive, but um, who knows? Maybe in January it can be it can be something else. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, Soren, I want to say thank you for your time this this afternoon. Um, it's been it's been great to to hear directly from you about uh, your vision for the future uh, and the current current and future state uh, of Mir Robotics. I wish you all the best and and to everyone at Mir um, going forward. Thank you, thank you very much, Mike, and uh, thank you for letting me uh, voice uh, my uh, my ideas over in uh, in your podcast. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. I want to thank Soren Nielsen and the marketing PR team at Mir for making this week's show possible. You can find them on the web at mobile-industrial-robots.com. You can also find more links and information in the show notes. I hope that you'll join us next week where we'll talk to Charles DeHadway, CEO and founder of Fox Robotics and learn more about their autonomous tractor trailer unloading solution.